Good morning and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Clint coming at you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have Aiden in the car, but he is. Excuse me. He is um, blissfully ignoring what? the podcast while he's reading and listening to his headphones. So, running on fumes on the way to school. Well, I'm going to school. You're going to work. Um, I need to get him there on time. We left just enough time to be able to get him there without him being late. So I can't stop for gas till afterwards. So it'll be interesting. Um, I just did the math. We should be okay. I think we have enough to, to go. I might be able to go all the way to work and back. But based on what the needle's telling me, I don't know. So at any rate, um, <clears throat> this morning had an interesting conversation. Um, my wife brought up uh, some data apparently she'd seen about voucher systems and how they weren't working and they show that they're not working. Um, one of the problems that the, that was cited is, uh, and one of the questions I had for her was, well, are those schools that they're the people are choosing to go into um, are they teaching any different because what it is with a voucher system is you have the ability to be able to go to a private school if you so desire um, and uh, and most of the people that were using them were already in private schools I guess and uh, yeah and the way we got on the conversation, we had a vote today for for levies for the local school, and um, she was talking about how some of the some of the voters around here on discussion boards and whatnot were claiming that they weren't voting because voting for it because their kids go to private school and they already pay a bunch, and so. In a way, I understand what, what they're talking about. It's basically they're paying for something that their kid is not getting any kind of, and their family is not getting any kind of um, help with. So, yeah, um, I understand the plight, and I understand education side of things, especially public education. One of the things that she brought up was what, what happens usually in areas where uh, voucher systems have gone into place. Um, now, this is a self-serving viewpoint, mind you. Um, it doesn't escape me, but it still needs to be said, which is if everybody ends up going to private schools, the ones that are left behind in the public schools are the parents that apparently either can't get their kid into a private school because they keep getting kicked out or um, I mean there are some parents out there that believe in I guess but they wouldn't make that decision anyways they, she was basically kind of describing so everybody that had the problems that private schools didn't want to have to deal with um, would then end up being in public school, which would destroy our public schools, according to her, um, and I've heard that argument before, and 
it is a problem that has that would have to be that would have to be dealt with. Um, I think the problem could be dealt with because all you would need to do is come up with a private school that um, caters to certain types of problems. Like imagine if there was a private school for autistic kids, but then that works in highly populated areas where you run into real issues is out in the county. Out in the counties where there aren't high populations. Uh, and then you're not likely to have a private school that's readily available, um, potentially. Uh, but the system I was, I've been talking about, uh, with the internet and things like that, as long as you have an internet connection, you might still be able to benefit from a fancy, fancy private school if you're living out in the middle of nowhere. So the problem arises with what about the kids that need the, you know, the, they need to have the person there at, I don't know. There's a lot to figure out. Let's just say that. Um, but I'm not one of the educators out there that is totally against the idea of vouchers. I've always gone back and forth on that issue. I'm still divided on it. I haven't made a solid decision, even though I do teach and work inside of a public education system. I see the merits of a private education where you're receiving money from your state or from the federal government. Uh, to take care of your your kids' education. Um, one of those being it lessens the amount of power that a legislature has over the school system itself. Uh, one of the things that we are plagued by right now are uh, uh, being a government entity, you end up uh, severely limiting possibilities of children uh, having experiences because of potential litigation of some kind. Um, what I'm referring to is the risk management pool, uh, which is what we have to we have to worry about whenever we you know try to take kids out and go and look at stuff and things like that. And it does serve a purpose. We want our kids to be safe. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I mean, I've had uh, science teachers that were complaining because we have a green belt right next to... It is on school property, even. And they were told they can't go over there because it's too steep and a kid might fall and, and hurt themselves on a stick. So he can't take his kids out to go and identify flora and fauna because of potential that a kid might get hurt um, because the terrain isn't perfectly whatever. So there's things like that where because you're part of a government entity, you're also a target for getting sued. Um, and what I'm learning as I see more and more lawsuits come through usually lawsuits, just the act of, of, of trying to sue a district gets you money. Uh, there's usually some sort of a payout, some sort of agreement, because that's the only way they can get them to sign a document. This is no further litigation or whatever. Um, 
even if they know that they're not going to lose in court, it's just the idea of the amount of money it costs to fight something uh, is problem, can be problematic. So one of the big problems out there being a public entity. But you could, one could say that a private school faces the same kind of peril. Um, and it's a very real thing. So a number of our kids, at least in the last couple of generations, even my generation, have been uh, restricted because of that. I mean, I remember when I was in elementary school, we had this really cool treehouse thing. Um, and it was huge. It was uh, built around a huge cedar tree. And it was pretty high up. And we loved jumping off of that stinking thing. But I think the risk pool came out, saw how high it was, uh, how kids were playing on it, and they ended up lowering it. So it was only a foot off the ground, which is, in my book, no longer fun. I mean, one of the great things was, you know, if it's three feet off the ground, four feet off the ground, um, one of the fun things was to run and then jump off of it and land in the pea gravel and go and do it again. Um, but kind of like how we have school right now, it's a fake environment. Um, we make sure that everything there, they can't possibly get hurt or whatever. And yeah, it's just, I don't think it's the right way to do things. Um, yeah. But at any rate, um, back to vouchers. So the possible possible possibilities about voucher system um, in regards to the system I was just explaining is imagine if uh, you don't like your local school um, or you don't feel like your kids really connecting in it and they'd have more opportunity uh, attending this other school uh, online and you could even start creating small groups of people that would then their main purpose and would be to go out and get field experience is what you could call it. Um, and it's not to say that schools would be totally obsolete. It would actually extend the reach of potential schools. So for example, the high school I teach at, some of these highly specialized programs that we're dealing with um, could reach out further uh, and get more more kids attending, uh, though it would have to be online, uh, but they'd be having the same opportunities as the kids that live in our district, um, whether that's just a town over or half the state or even multiple states away, uh, they would still have that opportunity, so that's one of the benefits of it. Uh, it, it makes education all of a sudden become viable online. And where I see potential issues is if that turns into a for-profit kind of a situation. Um, we've made those attempts at for-profit in colleges and they did not go well. Uh, usually because it's very expensive to do education. Um, if you're entering, in, in, entering into it as a profiteering sort of a situation, you can run into some serious problems. So, uh, 
mean, I'm thinking of some of the programs, some of the more exciting programs I have. The reason they're exciting is because the equipment for them costs a lot of money. And it's not like you could just whip up a biotechnical lab in, in the back of your house. I mean, the amount of equipment that we've gotten donated alone, uh, if you add up how much it would have cost to buy it, is ridiculous and so what if schools ended up becoming places where lessons could be recorded and where uh, experiences could be had with the equipment that are there um, what if that's the way that things were so I don't know it's, it's still an idea there's plenty of problems with it but you, you can see why I'm not willing to just discount vouchers. Um, also, on top of that, the way our government set up, many people don't know this, majority of the funding for education comes from the state. It does not come from the federal government. It is not a federal-funded entity. So one of the problems with that is things are not standardized from state to state, uh, including how much you pay for the education. So places like um, the Northeast, uh, where there's a majority of the states over there, are some of the highest. Uh, they pay the they pay the most as far as student uh, education. Um, ours here in Washington State, we're down towards I think the lower third uh, as far as how much we pay per student per pupil. And if you compare that to how much a going rate at a private school is, uh, we are getting a huge bang for our dollar because we're paying under $20,000 a year for a kid to be educated. But if you look at all the tuition the uh, pri private schools around us, you're looking at over $20,000 per kid. So, I mean, it wouldn't totally absorb how much you would have to pay in tuition, but um, it would gobble up a big chunk. So, yeah. But if you take away things like facilities and have to pay for facilities, then you're looking at a decent amount of savings and to the point where you might not have to pay extra. So, but your kid wouldn't have a place to go. Anyways, it's, it's one of those things, uh, we're thinking about the system, how it would change, can often cause you to pause and not start, but I think um, it would be better to start and then have it evolve over time. Uh, but it is not a, uh, a thing we can afford to have fail. Because failure would mean that there were kids that failed, um, and that affects lives, so futures and whatnot. But anyways, that's today's podcast. Um, I hope it was helpful, <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed learning together. I'll be talking to you again tomorrow. Bye.